0: planet earth happy friday the kids are off from school today and hopefully they'll behave while we do our thing here but it's friday and it's always friday with me Stephen fry your smb guy i see why am i or in case you missed it smb stands for small and medium-sized business for the last 20 years i've been a consultant for smbs a voice and a sounding board for business leaders advocating on their behalf as well as their employees i believe very strongly in sharing of stories providing perspective And creating connection. So every single Friday, you can find me right here on talkradio.nyc doing just that, lending what is left of my mind and my voice to this radio show where I interview SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. One thing that I've noticed over the years is that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs actually happens on Friday. Right about the time we feel that freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're also anxious to start the weekend. These crucial pearls of wisdom, they're often overlooked and forgotten in favor of fun weekend activities and our freedom from work. Here on Always Friday, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity. We discuss popular topics on the minds of SMB leaders as well as their trusted advisors. The name of the show is not just a play on words. Yes, my last name is Fry. Yes, it's Friday. But my last name means free in German. So a fun fact for for everybody, a little bit of method behind my madness for you. Today's episode of Always Friday is brought to you by SDA Wealth Strategies, a boutique financial services firm located in the Hudson Valley, New York. Offering personal wealth management and comprehensive business solutions for its clients. SDA stands for simplifying financial lives, designing financial strategies, and advocating to implement them. SDA offers a concierge experience for individuals and businesses. The firm's highest priority is always their clients' best interests while empowering people and businesses to be consciously proactive and to thrive today, tomorrow, and beyond. To learn more, visit SDAwealthstrategies.com. We had a blast. This past weekend, for my daughter Hayden's 10th birthday, the kids enjoyed seeing Sonic 2 in the movie theater. No kids wandered off and disappeared, which is great. I hope everyone is excited to kick off this holiday weekend. To all who celebrate, happy Passover, happy Easter, happy Ramadan. Everybody, have a great weekend this weekend, but before my family comes over to eat and destroy my house even further, let's have some meaningful business discussion here today. Today's show is all about commercial real estate valuation services. There have been some interesting trends observed in the world of commercial real estate, many due to the pandemic, the rise of hybrid work environments, the effects of e-commerce, the explosion of construction costs, and the shuffling of commercial office space by all different size businesses. One thing that has remained consistent over the years throughout all of this is that there's still a massive need for knowledgeable, experienced real estate appraisal and valuation specialists. They need to work with the lending institutions, the regulators, and the businesses who have needs in this space. So today, we're going to hear from the founder of an SMB that provides some much-needed administration and expertise in the commercial real estate space. Talk is cheap. We know that. But we're on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to just be talk. The goal here is let's use the insight we get here today and make some impact come Monday morning. It's far too often that SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve all of their problems. The shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand doesn't really exist. One thing that I see out there every single day is that products change everything we do personal or business, it doesn't really matter. There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people first and keeping a focus on a good, tangible, executable process that's going to help you achieve your goal. You do that, the right products will be there when they present themselves. Everything begins and ends with the people. So we have a great person for you to hear from today. So really going to educate us on this space. We're going to hear from my buddy, George Denman, president of the Oxford Group and Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management. George has been engaged in real estate appraisal analysis since 1982. Following his travels as a banker, he worked at Carteret Savings and Loan Association, CB Commercial Real Estate Group, Crossland Savings Bank, and Bank of New York before starting his own company. The Oxford Group was founded in 1994 to provide real estate appraisal valuation and consulting services. A year later, George opened a sister company called Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management, which is an appraisal management company or AMC. The role of an AMC is to work with lenders and appraisers to facilitate the ordering, tracking, quality control, and delivery of real estate appraisal reports. AMCs have been in existence since the 1960s, and Oxford is a leader in the space with a nationwide presence. From the beginning, Oxford has committed to three principles expertise, service, and independence. And these principles, Continue to guide the firm today. Oxford's highly skilled and experienced appraisers, nearly all of whom hold the Master Appraisal Institute designation, they perform every technical review. MAIs have a mission to empower valuation professionals through community, credentialing, education, body of knowledge, and ethical standards. George and his team have many areas of expertise, including the appraisal of residential to investment grade income producing properties, as well as condominium conversions, new construction and track development. They also work on large complex projects, such as the appraisal of regional shopping malls, multi-tenanted office buildings, nursing homes, hospitals, multifamily self storage facilities, industrial properties, the list goes on and on. I got no more breath left. George is my go to guy to chat about anything remotely related to this topic. We're also going to discuss my favorite questions: Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? Joining us today from his home base in northern New Jersey, before he heads down to my neck of the woods by the Jersey Shore for the holiday weekend, George, welcome to Always Friday. Great to see you, my brother.
1: Oh, good afternoon, Steve. It's uh, I mean, it's just a. Uh a fabulous weekend we're looking forward to. And uh, I'm excited to be on your show. It's a great it's, opportunity.
0: It's great to have you here. I feel like a lot of you know the community out there, you, you have to really be in your space to know about it. But it's so applicable to businesses, both large and small. And you know how I like to talk about small businesses. So you have decades of experience in a space that precious few people really specialize in and understand. So we got to hear about your journey. Tell us how you got where you are today
1: well you know it's a it's a sequence of unintended consequences i guess this is is the uh, is the correct way to look at this uh you know I, I, early in my uh in my life i was a musician and uh wandered through the wandered through the desert looking for water so to speak uh you know and somewhere along the way uh you know my wife and i we we uh, got married and uh we wanted to buy a house and that journey took us to uh uh lots and lots of uh, uh homes where we we were we were challenged financially and it was a very long and arduous process but you know it it piqued both our interests and uh, you know next thing you know i'm taking real estate courses and uh from there I, I became real estate salesperson and from there I decided well let's uh let's look at this appraisal thing because that was always interesting to me and you know if you're getting a listing you want to know what the property is going to sell for right so to me that was the that was the money ball uh knowing what you're doing uh, so moving forward it, it, you know next thing I know I'm uh I'm, Trying to get a job with a local appraisal shop, and uh, from there uh, ended up actually at a bank. So fast forward uh, from that bank, I ended up at CB in New York, uh, and then there was an opening in, uh, in in Brooklyn for a chief appraiser's job, and you know away you go. Uh, the, the the Brooklyn uh, part of that was uh, probably the most interesting uh, from the point of view that it was under a cease and desist at the time, it was in the early 90s and those of you who remember the early 90s, there was, uh, you know, the, the wheels were falling off the real estate market and the RTC was coming in and closing banks, so this bank was taken over by the feds and um, you know the guy who hired me had exited just prior to that because he didn't want to be part of the dismantling of the institution and he he brought me to his new bank and from there um it it just you know you get really ensconced in what you do you know it's one of those things where you keep your head down you keep working and you learn things along the way uh, and part of that timing uh, there was a thing called the chief appraiser's round table and I met with other chief appraisers at other institutions, not just regionally, but nationally. And um, it was kind of an inside club. So uh, it was a fabulous way of getting to know all the players. Uh, and then one day uh, I was at this community bank, it was sizable, uh, a, a big behemoth bank by name of Bank in New York came in and, and said, uh, we're gonna offer you a two and a half times book. And so uh, that was the end of National Community Bank. And Bank of New York wasn't really interested in lending. Uh, they just wanted the branches. And it gave me my seed money to start my own company in 1994. But <clears throat> fortunately, uh, I had learned a few things along the way. And probably most importantly, uh, th- th- my Rolodex was filled with my buddies at other banks. So they knew who I was. They knew who my what my experience was. And uh, so I was able to start my company at a time what was wasn't a great time to begin a a, 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 a real estate appraisal firm, but that's what I did. Uh, and uh, we were often running in '94, and then subsequent to that, in '95, I got a call from a lender who said to me, "George, I know your background. You know, is there any way you could do for us what you did for these other banks with regard to appraisal? Uh, you know." Running our appraisal process, and so that was the birth of appraisal management. And um, you know, from there, uh, it has just grown and grown and grown, and um, it became a real thing. I probably was one of the first in that space, uh, you know, back in the day, and and even today, it's it's not a crowded place. Uh, there are quite a few appraisal management companies, but uh, they're. Uh, it's not nearly as many as you would think uh, because, uh, well, quite honestly, there's not enough room for all of them, but uh, it's it's a different type of business. Uh, it's appraisal related, but it's not, not really appraisal. It's more about uh, service, uh, administration, and then expertise on the back end doing the review. So that's a long-winded way of saying uh, it was a circuitous journey, and here I am.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's it's a great position to be in, where you've seen in a lot of ways both sides of the table at this point. Like knowing the banks and knowing how regulators want things to be positioned, it's it's very important. So we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with George Denman, president of the Oxford Group and Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. And it's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my buddy, George Denman, president at the Oxford Group and Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management. We were just chatting in the last segment about... George's series of unintended consequences that led him to what seems to be a very, very ideal fit for the business that he runs and the service that he provides. So we're going to get a little bit deeper into the method behind George's madness here in just a moment. Before we do, just wanted to sit out by the fire pit and just chat for a little bit to kick this off. So I bought my first place almost 20 years ago, and it lit really a fire of excitement in the real estate space for me. I love the world of real estate. I love looking at putting deals together and and really trying to determine the intrinsic value. A year later, after I bought my first place, a partner and I began building a small, small portfolio of investment properties. The deeper I dove into the space, the more evident it was to me that you need a really great team of professionals around you to succeed in your endeavors. It's just like many industries, there are folks out there who can definitely commoditize the space and they're just after volume transactions. It's not just about a broker who has a ton of listings. There's a lot of different folks you need to have around you. Everybody knows a real estate broker and a mortgage broker, but how many appraisers do you really know, especially for complex commercial types of types of transactions? You know, I've heard sentiments along the way that values what someone's willing to pay for it. And I'm sure George has heard that phrase before too. But this can definitely be a dangerous sentiment when you're talking about the commercial real estate space and commercial lending associated with it. When you're trying to really place value on a particular deal, while you hear, you know, a lot of macro statements about real estate, you know, every market is different. Every location is different. And certainly every deal is different and should be evaluated on its own. So let's get into the method behind George, the madness in George's world. George when we're, we're in the method segment here, it's the scientific part of the show. We like to look at it as really, what do you do? How do you do it? And how do you go to market for it? So give us a little bit on the method here.
1: Well, because we run two separate companies uh, that have a similar DNA, it, it it is interesting, but it is different. So on the appraisal side, um, as most of you know, the, the financial world, that banks and lending institutions are required by law to get appraisals otherwise i wouldn't be in business uh, right. trust me if, if they didn't absolutely have to get an appraisal they would not get an appraisal i don't know what they would do but it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be that so uh the the lending side requires uh an appraisal and you know as part of what we do is that we're focused on the commercial side um, and we praise all different types of property and it's really um, you know it the, the way it really works is just very simply uh, there's a bid request we put a bid in it's competitive uh, if we get the assignment we have a price and time we have to meet um, we go out and see the property do the analysis write the report push it back into the uh, into the lending institution and hopefully everything works out and they close the deal and on we go. on the appraisal management side it's a little bit more thorny um, So what we're working with is uh, you know upwards of 60 lending institutions with um, you know huge staffs in every every in every case uh, and the uh, and then we're dealing with all their approved professionals on the appraisal side as well. And we are the the linchpin between the uh, the lending institution and the appraiser. And the reason that the the AMCs exist really is because uh the regulators don't really want the appraisers to talk directly with the lenders or vice versa they don't want any undue influence not to say that there would be but the regulators figure you know we're better off if that's the case so um, we become uh, the, uh, the the monitor of that process so there's a lot of moving parts a lot of communication along the way a lot of information passed back and forth uh, and a lot of responsibility. So that is the, you know, that's why the appraisal management space is, in as much as it's, it's, it's similar from the skill set point of view, it goes much, much further than that because it's um, transference of information, communication, compliance, uh, all of those issues are part of appraisal management. Uh, where your straight-up appraisal process is much more um, calm. <laughs> so it's uh, and, and, you know every day there's a, a new challenge, a new crisis, uh, a, a new uh, a new triumph to uh, because you overcome what seemed to be impossible. And uh, you know our job is really to make our customers look good. And uh, sure. you know, whenever we're not sure about what what it is we're trying to do at the end of the day that's that's it Uh, we try to keep them in their lanes keep them compliant uh, get them the the the, uh, valuations they need and and consult with them on uh, what happens when uh, the number doesn't really come out the way they had hoped what is plan b c and d Uh, so all those things are part of our process
0: yeah, there's a there, there's a definite you know line in the sand there where where you're talking about the appraisal world where I think like you said I think most people who've bought a home have a mortgage even if it's not commercial oriented it's residential oriented they realize that they have to get an appraisal to determine the value for wher- wherever they're getting the mortgage from, but then you know actually looking at the AMC side where you're kind of mat- facilitating the process and monitoring things and. It 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 carries with it a whole different set of responsibilities. With great power comes great responsibility. It's it's kind of like you have to be aware of the banking regulation. A lot of those are not just not state banking guidelines; they could be federal banking guidelines. Am I am I right?
1: Absolutely. You know, and a good part of what we do is uh, inform the lender about the regulations that they have to adhere to. So, I mean, there's lots of different areas. I'll just give you one example. Let's say you get uh, an appraisal that was done, wasn't ordered by the lending institution, but they wanna use that appraisal. Well, they may or they may not be able to. So if it was ordered by the borrower, they simply cannot use it. If it was ordered by another bank, there's rules of um, of evidence, chain of evidence rules that require a certain procedure for them to obtain the appraisal. So, if uh, let's say the you know, a borrower was was able to get a copy of that appraisal that he paid for at another bank and brought it to this other uh, institution, would would that institution be able to use that appraisal? No, it doesn't seem it doesn't it doesn't seem uh, intuitive that way. However, if the uh, the the engaging institution gave the appraisal to the second institution because maybe they just weren't interested in the deal or they were not. You know they're going in a different direction. Then that second institution could use that appraisal. You know, you, you just never would believe that that's that's how it's supposed to work.
0: It's yeah. It seem, seems like it would make sense, like similar to other things in in the financial services world, trying to mitigate potential conflicts of interest. I I could see why they they wouldn't be okay using something that was ordered by the borrower. But it's, you know, like, like you said, it's really helping people make, making sure that people are rowing in the same direction, right? Like making sure That's that they're, they're trying, they're trying to do things within the guise of compliance and the law, but, you know, also in a way where they can, they can get their transactions done. So it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see this, this type of setup. Cause again, I've, I've ordered appraisals before for, for loans that I've taken out. But, you know, the, the idea of, of managing that piece on behalf of, you know, larger institutions is, it is very intriguing to me, and again, just kind of like you said, it's making the clients look good and making sure that you know to their to 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 everybody that they need to look good for. A lot of times, the regulators as well as clients. But you know, talk talk to us a little bit about you know, just how, what it's like being a small, medium sized business that's that's performing services and monitoring things on behalf of larger institutions.
1: Uh, it, um it it's it's a growth space. Um, and you know along the way uh, you know you, you learn a few things about growth so you know in the beginning uh, you know it was a it was one bank and you know i and we were doing appraisal work and i would um, you know I, I had a staff and so i would take on the appraisal management for this one institution myself so you know i was Dealing with that. And that was kind of like, you know, I I would do quality control on the appraisal side and I would handle the appraisal management and review. And then along the way, it, you know, it got to be another bank and another bank and another bank. And uh, the process got to be a little unwieldy. So every once in a while you have to take a look at your process and and re-engineer uh, to match up with the growth that you're experiencing. Um, And and then another part of that is delegation. You know, uh, there are times where, uh, you know, i become frustrated about what's happening and, uh, you know, you're having successes, but you're having some failures and you say, well, what is the problem here? And when you really look at it, the problem is you, you're the problem, you're in the way, Uh, you know, every small businessman wants to uh, keep a tight rein on, uh, the product, the service, and the bottom line, and uh, you know they they want to be a, a micromanager of everything they can possible. However, at a certain point in time, uh, you have to be able to delegate and oversee, uh, and uh, you know that is that is part of part of growth.
0: Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more. It's it's something <clears throat> over the years that I've had a lot of exposure with. With respect to business process outsourcing and you know certain aspects of administrative outsourcing, you know for businesses, but you know this is this is one that 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 kind of kicks it up to another level because you know you're you were sought out by some of your your banking you know colleagues <coughs> to carry out this you know this type of service, and then there's the idea of you know trying to you know deepen the relationships, expand, get get more banks that to do business with but it's 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 not necessarily convincing an a business owner to outsource their payroll as an example It's convincing a bank to outsource an entire department of of being talk- talk to us a little bit about that what's that like
1: it, it is a It is a revelation uh that uh, bankers come to in many different ways uh, so uh, the primary one at least the one that spurred a lot of growth in the beginning was uh the regulators would come into uh, an institution and they would uh you know they would do an examination and they would see that um either the the institution had no process or it, the process they had was not compliant so uh we talked earlier about keeping lenders and appraisers you know almost in separate rooms so that they don't uh, it can only communicate about uh, pertinent things through the process well um you know a lot of small banks the the lending arm was ordering appraisals and so uh what would happen would be uh you know they would get written up and criticized and uh, they would call their peers and that they would say well what are you guys doing they said well we are we're using oxford well, give me his number let's let's talk uh so that was a, a, a you know that was the primary source of a lot of growth uh, in in the late 90s and early 2000s. And and then there's other more enlightened uh, individuals who, uh, who maybe had experienced an AMC process and now went to another institution and wanted to make sure they weren't put in that position and had some forethought to say we need to fix this process now before the regulators slam us for uh, having something that's non-compliant or insufficient. And so that's you know that's another area where uh, you know they reach out, they seek people out to uh, bring them in to see who is who's best. Um, compatible with their current process. And what we really try to do is wrap our system around theirs. So uh, tell me how you're operating now. What we're going to do is not interrupt that, but we're going to enhance it. We're going to take you from being a rogue, non-compliant institution to a fully compliant with um, assets and skills that you could never afford yourself, in a process that is seamless 24-7, virtually overnight. How would you like the debt? That, well, I think that would be great. And what is this going to cost me? It's not going to cost you anything. How is that possible? Well, it's part of the appraisal process. Just like the appraisal, the appraisal management piece is paid by the borrower. And it's it's an affordable piece because it's not real expensive, but yet it's it's. It's absolutely necessary for everyone to uh, uh, stay in their lane. So that's been the vehicle for, for growth uh, along the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's they're straight up non-compliance, and then there's just opportunities for improvement. And you, you guys can really help with you know, both get it get to a place of, of prosperity moving forward with scalability. I love it. We're going to take a quick break. But we'll be right back with George Denman, president of the Oxford Group and Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management. Stay with us.
3: Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.
2: Are you passionate about the conversation around racism?
0: Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with George Denman, president of the Oxford Group and Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management, commercial appraisal professionals all the way around. Some great stuff from George in the last segment regarding the method, but also how the method has evolved over time just to accommodate the growing space that he's working in. You know, how everything started out looks a little bit different these days. And seems to me, with some of what I've seen out there, with some changes in legislation and You know, just general needs that banks have that this is a still a very much a growth space. So I'm excited for you and and for the team. This part of the show, George, is where we talk a little bit about the madness, which in almost three decades of doing what you do for your own company, I'm sure you've had no shortage of, including some of your experience beforehand, but this is the artistic observational part of the show where we share stories from the field, no subject to taboo, anything goes. Obviously, if uh, it's really crazy. We don't want to compromise client confidentiality. Totally cool. No problem here, but lay it on us. Tell us a little bit about some of the madness that you've seen over the years and as of late. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well uh, I I you know relative to that I, I suppose it goes back to my uh, my earliest days in appraisal um the uh, I worked for a, a, a local community bank as my first job and you know you uh, and being the new guy uh, you know you get the you get the the bottom of the barrel this is the, the least uh appealing thing to do so what that was, was I had to do foreclosure appraisals and they weren't so much as appraisals as they were collections. So my job was to get in a car with a beeper, a company car and drive all over the state of New Jersey and uh, knock on the door of a a property where they were all single family usually, uh, where the, uh, the borrower was in arrears. And hand them my business card and say to them, "I'm here to do a foreclosure appraisal. Would you mind if I come in?" <laughs> well, let me just say that that, that was—I mean—the reactions I got were, uh, you know, uh, anger, uh, crying. Uh, one guy grabbed his chest and said, "Oh my God, I think I'm having a heart attack." I—I I mean, it was just horrible. It was. Uh, the worst part of—I mean, if, if that was appraisal, if that was the—that was the end of the line for me. Um, it, that I—I I would certainly not be in business anymore. It was uh, to me the best day was when no one was home, and I could simply leave my card, do my job, and uh, and and, and be on my way. Uh, but it—it it taught me a lot of stuff. I mean, it was. It, you know i was in markets uh you know as a young appraiser that i knew nothing about uh and so the the drill was to and and by the way just dating myself there was no internet at this time so there was no online anything uh you had to go to local real estate offices municipal offices gather the data do the analysis get to know what what is happening in that local market in yeah. order to come up with a number so it was it was great training um and uh, it, i learned a lot about empathy uh it was just a horrible horrible thing i, I was i always prayed that no one was home but yeah. uh i had one guy say i'm going to get my gun and, uh, so <laughs> i was I, just going to ask you if anyone tried to pull firearms on you at any point. i i just turned around and got the hell out of there <laughs> it was, I didn't know if he was kidding or not. Uh, you know, a, another guy says to me, geez, you know, uh, you know, I have a choice. I can pay my electric bill or I can pay half of my mortgage. So what am I supposed to do? It, you know, you just felt terrible. Uh, but that was, uh, that was the early days of uh, the formative days of my, my appraisal career. It's, it's, it's shocking to think that, uh, uh some thirty plus years later here I am
0: yeah, I mean, I know some people might think uh, the whole no internet thing is just crazy enough I, I was I was right where your head was I was worried that someone might try to pull a gun on you you like whether they were kidding or not I wouldn't be sticking around to find out yeah it it,
1: it is crazy
0: what about nowadays I mean like there's you know there still for you know foreclosure's still a thing out there so it's like is it something that you see? you know, in your, in your travels at all, where people need foreclosure appraisals done on behalf oh, of the institution? Yeah, it's, it's
1: a, it's a, it's definitely, um, uh, uh it's still a, a very active, there's a, a special servicers, there's, uh, you know, it, it, there's just companies that, uh, just didn't make it, you know, uh, COVID is, is a, a, a big impetus for, uh, disaster in that regard, you know, uh, companies who just, couldn't face the downturn. Um, uh, just didn't have the resources to, to make it through. Uh, it uh, you know we've seen this before. Uh, there have been a number of cycles. Uh, I'm going back to 2009, uh, late 2008. Uh, you know where we saw multi generational businesses. I mean really, I mean third fourth generation has been around forever, and just you know, company got caught at just the wrong time. Uh, didn't have the capital to uh, make it through uh, the downturn. And you know, that's um, if I get to speak briefly about that part of it. Uh, you know, as a small business person, um, you know, early on, uh, you know, I had my my seed money that I got from uh, uh, Bank of New York. You know, here you go, buddy. Here's 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 your several months' worth of severance. Get the hell out, um, you know, and it was. My my focus early on was preservation of capital You know, and, uh, you know, and what I come to find out through my experience is that that never changes. So you're always. Trying to preserve and build capital and in addition to that, find other ways to have access to capital. One thing you have to know is that the time to look for capital is before you need it. Uh, If you're on your heels, no one will lend you money. Uh, There's no way to get money. So you, as a small business person, you have to understand that um, as good as things are, they will not remain that way forever. And as bad as things get, uh, you you will be able to pull the nose up out of the uh, you know the the plane and 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 gain out altitude again uh, if if you can just hold on. So it's a uh, it it it's a story of every small business.
0: Yeah, no, I I, w- I would agree. And good point there with the time to find capital is before you need it. With the pandemic challenges that folks have had, just like you said, multi-generational businesses back to 2008 and 9. I'm sure some of the same has happened as of late in certain ways. You know, when you talk about commercial real estate, some people's immediate reaction just in water cooler or coffee talk, you know, out there is, oh, the commercial real estate world is, is suffering immensely right now just because people have given up all their office space. I, I see some of that, but I also don't see some of that. I'm curious to get your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, There's a lot of space in the commercial world that's doing really phenomenal. Um, we're seeing, uh, you know, I guess the the, the the rising star, the favorite sun right now is a distribution warehouse. Uh, you, you can't find enough of it. They can't build it fast enough. Um, the, the value and rental rates of uh, in industrial space in general has has almost doubled over the last ten years. Uh, it's insane. Uh, it, uh, other aspects of that market, uh, it, it, you know, land for industrial is is, is super hot. Uh, you know, anything that's near an interchange is. Um, uh, is extremely valuable. Uh, lots of bidding going on to build the next uh, big box, and um, and even uh, for small businesses trying to find uh, more manageable size uh, warehouse. Uh, uh, for example, this this whole cannabis thing uh, that we're going through. Well, you know, it's tailor made for medium size industrial buildings, both from a growth. Uh, grow uh, process right even through retail. You know, what normal warehouse has is, um, uh, you know, maybe 10% office and the rest is uh, industrial or warehouse space. Well, a cannabis retail growth uh, building would look just like a, an, an industrial building of yesteryear. So, uh, you know, they don't need 30 foot clear heights, you know, 15 foot clear heights are great. And you know, that's a dysfunctional building in most industrial space. So it, it it's the recycling of the older buildings. Um, and it's, uh, it's just been unbelievable. The uh, apartment buildings is another um, area where uh, it, we're seeing, a you know, a Compression of cap rates in a, in a time when uh, we're having rising interest rates. Those two things are counterintuitive to one another. You, you know, you would anticipate, um, you know, a higher a higher cap rate, which is it turns water into wine. For those of you who don't know what a cap rate is, uh, it, it. But it's um, you know, there's such demand for those types of properties, and, and it's partly fueled by this residential um a, a situation where we're you know people are buying homes that are uh they're in bidding wars and getting 70 dollars above asking price you know those those of uh us who can't afford to pay a hundred grand over asking price are relegated to become apartment dwellers until things cool off well that puts additional pressure on apartment builders so it's all tied together
0: that's a fun way of wrapping up the madness piece here is people even waiving appraisal contingencies on the contract it's it's basically every deal that's written around here as of late has that because people are paying so much over the asking price but it seems like uh there might be a little overinflated at the moment depending on who you talk to but we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back with george denman president of the Oxford Group and Oxford Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management. Stay with us.
3: Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic.
0: Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with my friend, George Denman, president of the Oxford Group and Oxford Commercial Appraisal Management. A, an appraising professional and group of professionals on every end of the spectrum. Some awesome discussion here today, really giving people some, uh, method behind the madness as far as the world of appraising goes. The madness discussion we had just now, George, was great. Like there's so many different pieces that you alluded to, just general state of, uh, affairs with people paying over asking for homes and people thinking the commercial real estate world is in the toilet, but that couldn't be further from the truth with a lot of different types of, types of, uh, things that are going on out there, but, you know, also some uh, some evolving industries like the cannabis industry. It seemed to me like there's almost a, a whole niche in there of even for the appraising world of, you know, looking at a space with that's intended to be built out that way. Am I wrong? Isn't, isn't there an area of opportunity and growth there? No pun intended.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, sure. It's, uh, you know, and it, it, it's a little thorny, uh, you know, because of the way that the regulations are, um, you know, cannabis on a federal level is illegal. So, you right. know, lending institutions have the structure to deal in such a way that they're not <clears throat> that they um, that they're not violating federal law. Yeah, so absolutely. It, it's, it's a little thorny, more thorny for the uh, lending lending side.
0: Yeah. So in your world on the AMC side, that, that could be a thorny issue. But as an appraiser, you know, every state has their own, you know, general, generally accepted appraisal guidelines, right? So you, everybody gets an appraisal license in the respective state that they're in. And if that state has, has that need and want, then. Yeah, there might, there might be a budding industry. No problem talking in all puns here. I can't help it. Sorry. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, George, this is, this is the message part of the show. We want to bring things home for the audience. The whole idea is, you know, from weekend insight to Monday impact, we want to give people some sound bites to remember over the weekend. Again, both sides of your business, as you've, you know, uh, illustrated here today, they have a little bit of a different, different strategy and go to market and all that. So there might be some different sound bites depending on which part of the business you're talking about, but, you know, give us a little bit about what you want people to remember over the weekend. So that come Monday morning, they can actually look up oxfordamc.com, take a look at your, your services and what you guys bring to the table and really, you know, engage you for it.
1: Give us some sound bites. Well, you know, you know, the, the, the appraisal management space is uh, it is, it's a very dynamic uh, from the point of view that uh, I can't imagine uh, why any institution doesn't uh, reach out to, uh, you know, partner with a, an appraisal management company. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, everybody needs socks and shoes, <laughs> you know, but some people just run around barefoot anyway. Uh, it's, uh, it's 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 institutions just continue to do what they do until someone stops them from doing it Um, so it's it's like uh selling uh selling ice to eskimos uh they they still need ice (laughs) so it you know from that perspective uh you know that's our challenge in terms of uh you know capitalizing in new market space where uh, people maybe, maybe never heard of us. So uh, uh, we are pretty well uh, ensconced in the New York metropolitan area, the tri-state area, even into southern New England, but people in Minnesota have never heard of us. So Um, You know, that's our challenge for, uh, you know, going forward is to not only introduce our services, but um, make them understand how, you know, they should have been calling us instead of us calling them.
0: Right. Yeah. No. Totally under understood on that front. You know. However, it's uh, I'm very used to the idea that sometimes people in certain industries don't even know that pieces of the industry exist. So there's the you know, the ability for for you know expansion and development seems significant for for you and your team of what you're doing to to really reach out to some of the the lesser places that you've worked in around the country and really be able to provide a valuable service at, a, at an affordable cost.
1: Sure. Um, uh, you know, one other thing I would like to talk about, uh, you know, as it relates to just general business, um, you know,
4: uh,
1: there's, there's a lot of small businesses out there. And we talked earlier about scaling and re- retooling, uh, yes. you know, along the way. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the thing to remember is that growth is expensive. Uh, and so, you know, if everyone wants to grow, uh, but you have to prepare yourself for that. Um, and we talked about preservation of capital well you know growth is an important part that, that utilizes that capital uh, and uh, access to capital and 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 financing and leverage you know all of these things um are part and parcel of a, the small business dynamic that everyone needs to uh you know grapple with along the way and and it's it's how well you uh manage all of that process and uh, and handle adversity uh to get to the other side uh and uh so it, it's it's something that uh you know i think about a lot uh yes. so uh, our company is in in great shape we're probably in the best shape we've ever been uh, but i'm always looking over the horizon uh yes. waiting for the next speed bump along the way and 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 being prepared and looking for the next challenge in terms of you know how we grow this uh, how we grow this process
0: I think that's that's a really important point, especially from someone like yourself who started out as an appraiser on behalf of banks and going out and doing those foreclosure appraisals that sound s- sound uh, like they might keep you on your toes, but you know, then starting your own business and seeing what it's like for it to to grow. And in some cases organically, like people reaching out to you to grow and you, you know, kind of ad- adapting to that pivoting, if you will, to accommodate the growing need and ask of the organization, you know, but you know, to your point, growth can be expensive, but I do look at it as an investment in yourself and in the business. It's like, you're either growing or you're dying. There's not a really another direction. So, you know, grow the business Invest the money, invest in yourself and in your team, and you're probably going to end up on the winning end of that. Sounds like you share the sentiment. Absolutely. So love the discussion, George. I, it's a, it's an issue when I, when, when I speak to, you know, you and, and your contemporaries where a lot of times folks who don't understand the space, they get lost in a lot of the discussion. Your, your experience and know-how and able, ability to communicate it comes through in what you do. So I can't thank you enough for joining me here today. Great discussion. Thank you. Before before I let you go though, we're going to revisit my favorite questions that I ask my guests. Who is your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? And what's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? So without further ado, your favorite TV show character is Jerry Seinfeld, someone who we're all familiar with at this point during his continuing misadventures of neurosis (laughs) as a stand-up comedian in New York City with his show about nothing. You know, it's funny. You know, I like to put your put your face on these different pictures. You kind of you kind of look like Jerry Seinfeld a little bit somehow. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, it's. I'm, I'm trying. I kept trying to think of as as I was uh, kicking around some ideas of Jerry Seinfeld, how they could make a show that relates to commercial real estate or something. But it seems a little far fetched. But it's it'd be a lot more than nothing for sure.
1: Well, I'm sure he, uh, the the writers on his show could could make it happen.
0: <laughs> I agree. Never get tired on them. So your favorite TV show you noted as law and order, which I thought was an interesting, interesting answer from you. One of the longest running shows on television typically follows a crime often adapted from recent headlines uh, from two separate vantage points, the police investigation and the prosecution in court. And for you, you come from two different vantage points with your appraisal work, it's like you, and, but also the idea you should look at it through a lens of if you were called into court, could you actually defend your position, which sometimes happens in your industry, doesn't it?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a big area. In fact, there's, a, there's appraisal firms dedicated just to that one aspect, court work, huge, huge, huge industry.
0: Huge opportunities to be expert witnesses, it would seem like. (laughs) So your favorite musical instrument, and I know you love your music and your jazz, George. Your favorite musical instrument is the vibraphone and marimba. And you had three different musicians you mentioned. You said Gary Burton... Whose approach caused him to be heralded as an innovator, and his sound and technique are widely imitated. He's known for pioneering fusion jazz, which was wasn't familiar with that term, and popular popularizing the duet format in jazz, as well as being a major figure in music education from 30 years at the Berklee College of Music. I love learning about musicians that I haven't gotten into yet. You know that,
1: yeah. But, Burton's an unbelievable, unbelievable talent.
0: Just and. You also mentioned the late Milt, Milt Jackson, also known as Bags, thought of a bebop player, although he performed in se- several jazz idioms. Uh, remembered for his cool swinging solos as a member of the Modern Jazz Quartet. You know, all all of these cats seem like people you'd be hanging out with, George. I got to say.
1: Oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I was fortunate to get to uh, see Milt play, uh, and it's um, the, the the phrase that comes to mind always for Milt is lyrical. Uh, he's just Tremendous, tremendous talent
4: And
0: you had also mentioned Dave Samuels From the contemporary jazz group uh, Spyrogyra Both Milt and Dave have since passed away But uh, the music definitely lives on. His recordings and live performances during his period were uh, also reflected his prowess on the steel pan drum, which I know you also enjoy. But some some great stuff. I look forward to listening to some of these folks. George, thanks again for joining me here today, chatting about your world and all that jazz. Everybody visit OxfordAMC.com to learn more. Coming up next week, we're going to be talking about exiting your business your way with my new friend, Damon Pistolka, co-founder and managing director of Exit Your way. We're going to talk a little bit about business succession planning until then. Thank you for joining us here on always Friday. We hope you gain some weekend insight to make a Monday impact. Have a great weekend. We will see everyone on Friday next week after Tommy D on philanthropy and focus at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Take care, everybody.